The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who builds his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine does not, and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was its fall. Now when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished by his teaching for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. The Gospel of the Lord. It is often said that Frau Argula von Grumbach, Argula von Grumbach, and um, Autocorrect keeps making it Arigula, but it's not that, it's Argula, was the first woman preacher of the Reformation. 500 years later, that may be hard to prove, but no matter. What does matter is that she was influential in spreading the words of Martin Luther and Philip Melanchthon. Even if it had been standing up to the Catholic Church and a husband or two, and even princes. Well, we usually date the Protestant Reformation from that monk, priest, and professor, Martin Luther, who in 1517 presumably put up, not necessarily nailed to the church door, an invitation to debate, an academic debate, citing church errors. But the Reformation had been brewing for at least a century or more probably closer to two. But in 1516, Argula was already 27, married, orphaned, and soon to be widowed. Luther's magisterial translation of the Bible into German wasn't the first. In fact, Anton Koberger had published editions of the Bible in High German in expensive and beautifully illustrated editions. It was one of these that Argula's father presented to her as a child, despite various Franciscans urging him not to confuse the girl. Well, Argula was confused in a good way. She heard, read, marked, learned, and inwardly digested every word of scripture and was already part of that nascent movement. She first came to public attention with her letter protesting the arrest in 1523 of a Lutheran student. She was infuriated and she wrote a letter, and what a letter, castigating Ingolstadt and its university and every official she could think of. It begins. Quote, 
The account of a Christian woman of the Bavarian nobility, which she was, whose open letter with arguments based on divine scripture criticizes the University of Ingolstadt for compelling a young follower of the gospel to contradict the word of God. Close quote. She goes on to quote about a dozen citations from scripture, old and new, and several from the writings of the early church fathers. She pulls no punches, she goes on to say. How in God's name can you and your university expect to prevail when you deploy such foolish violence against the word of God and when you force someone to hold the holy gospel in their hands for the very purpose of denying it? And she goes further. Yes, when I reflect on this, my heart and my limbs tremble. What do Luther or Melanchthon teach you but that the word of God? You condemn them without having refuted them. Argula von, Ger Argula von Grumbach, take two. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. Every woman who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like the foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. It is often said that Frau Argula von Grumbach was the first woman preacher of the Reformation. Now, 500 years later, that may be hard to prove, but no matter. What does matter was that she was influential in spreading the words of Martin Luther and Philip Melanchthon even if it meant standing up to the Catholic Church and a husband or two and a few princes. While we usually date the Protestant Reformation from the work of that monk, priest, and professor, Martin Luther, and his 1517 invitation to debate the Church's errors, 
The Reformation had been brewing for at least a century, probably two or longer. But 1517 was an inflection point. But by 1517, Argula was already 27, married, orphaned, and soon to be widowed. Luther's magisterial translation of the Bible into German wasn't the first. Anton Koberger had published editions of the Bible in high German, in expensive and beautifully illustrated editions. It was one of these that Argula's father presented to her as a child, despite various Franciscans urging him not to confuse the girl. Well, our Argula got confused. She heard, read, marked, learned, and inwardly digested every word of scripture. And even as a child, she was already part of that nascent movement of Reformation. She first came to public attention with her letter protesting the arrests in 1523 of a Lutheran student at the University of Ingolstadt. She was infuriated, and she wrote a letter, and what a letter, castigating Ingolstadt, the university, and every official she could think of. Remember, this is an act of injustice, like kicking out women or someone of the wrong color. It was the wrong religion. This is how she began the letter. The account of a Christian woman of Bavarian nobility, which she was, whose open letter with arguments based on divine scripture criticizes the University of Ingolstadt for compelling a young follower of the gospel to contradict the word of God, close quote. She goes on to quote dozens of citations from scripture, old and new, and several from the writings of the early church fathers. She pulls no punches. She goes on, how in God's name can you and your university expect to prevail when you deploy such foolish violence against the word of God, when you force someone to hold the holy gospel in their hands for the very purpose of denying it? And further, she says, Yes, when I reflect on this, my heart and all my limbs tremble. What do Luther or Melanchthon teach you but the word of God? You condemn them without ever having refuted them. Did Christ teach you so, or his apostles, prophets, or evangelists? Show me where this is written, you lofty experts. Wow. I wouldn't want to get that letter. It reminds me in, in Harry Potter of those howlers that would fly in by owl and yell at you. What made this an inflection point was the printing press. Somebody got a copy of that letter. Maybe Argola herself leaked it or a friend. In any case, it was printed on uh, broadsheets or um, broadsides, uh, single-page um, leaflets that contained some information or some illustrations. They were cheap. They could be widely distributed or even sold for a penny or two. 
in any case, her letter went viral. Remember, the Reformation, which Luther kick-started, was still on shaky ground, and a lot of those loose collections of principalities uh, weren't on board yet, and Argula was aware of this. She wasn't shy about directly appealing to any number of, of princes in her career. I mean, she wrote many other letters. This is the most famous of them. And they're all based on scripture, which is hard to refute in a world still steeped in Christendom, which sadly ours is not. How is this still relevant to us? Her life could be configured as a in a feminist frame, but that's too narrow a vision. In a recent sermon by our presiding bishop, Michael Curry, at the 80th General Convention of the Episcopal Church just this last weekend, he spoke of using social media for a renewal of evangelism, not by standing on street corners with sandwich boards proclaiming Jesus saves or handing out leaflet, um, uh, Handing, handing out brochures or uh, tracts. But he suggested we could open hearts and minds and teach people to reach to Jesus by simply talking about it on the internet to our friends. This is the same aim of those printed broadsides of Argula's letter. They were a kind of 16th century Wi-Fi, a cheap, easily distributed or posted media blitz. I watched as much of the convention as was live streamed, switching back and forth between the streams from the House of Deputies and the House of Bishops. Uh, if you don't know how our churches organize, think of the um, Congress of the House of Representatives and the Senate um, were organized exactly the same way. The cry for a new prayer book had already been installed on the agenda of successive general conventions for some years. It was originally intended to change gendered language to more inclusive language but what has emerged from the COVID lockdown was dependence on media tech, virtual and then hybrid services, Zoom meetings, social media platforms such as Facebook to keep us together when we were locked up for so long. And with it came a widening of social permissiveness. It had been growing since the 1960s, trust me. I was there, I remember changing serious-looking clothes for tie-dye and throwing away my bras. But the lockdown had established a new norm for the whole of society, a casualness of dress, behavior, and the acceptance of language that was once considered socially taboo. While the issue which started the cry for the new prayer book, the inclusion of inclusive language, was still there. The flashpoint 
was authorization for the use of same-sex marriage rights, which of course is not included in the 1940, uh, 1979 uh, prayer book. Over recent years, this blossomed into do we even need a book? Put it all up online. Store it in the cloud. Oh, and by the way, now anybody could just go ahead and post any right they dreamt up. Let democracy ring and freedom rule. Not all these additions or suggested additions were theologically sound or at least coherent with the exceptional theology of the Episcopal Church or even of the wider Christian Church. Why bother with coherent theology? Hooray for social media. There are still questions about open table Eucharist and even the need for baptism. Just as in the Reformation, now everything is up for grabs. Back to the General Convention, after a long, hard deba debate, some of it quite brilliant, a resolution was forged and passed by both houses, which will keep church unity and commonality in a real book and still leave some room for creative suggestions. But once it would be vetted and curated by both houses. But back in Luther and Argula's day, there were some pretty awful broadsides that came out of the Reformation on both sides. Sheer pornography. Oh, I've seen them. Pictures of Luther kissing the behind of Satan and pictures of the Pope kissing the behind of Satan, just depending on which side you were on. But we're not finished with that. You think of the memes you've seen which flood our, our brains, not just the bandwidth, but, but worm their way into our heads. Inventions like the printing press and the internet are tools. They're not the abominations used to support evil, but neither are they guarantees of good. Those choices are still ours. That's the free will that we have been given. Guided by the Holy Spirit, perhaps we will choose good. Argula used her voice to cry for social justice for a young man sent down from university for his religious choice. There are many lessons to be learned from Argula's letter. She spoke truth to power. That she was a woman probably helped her nearby shock value. She based her letter on scripture, not emotion, although she did save some fury for those who attacked Luther. She was addressing a Christian world which accepted scripture as the word of God. But would it work today in a post-Christian world? Today there are so many voices that civil discourse has become a shouting match. It might work with a media blitz, carefully designed to awaken hungry minds for God but probably not for those even hungrier for novelty and bling. As disciples of Jesus, we can seek answers in scripture and in prayer. 
allowing the inflowing of the Holy Spirit. I can't wait for the unveiling of what Bishop Curry and his team and the Holy Spirit put forth. That's going to be exciting. It was through the word of God in that Bible given to her as a girl which opened Argula to the call of Christ, a call so profound that she found her voice in support of the Reformation and which gave her the strength to right a wrong, an act of social injustice against one of her brothers in Christ. Like the prophet Deborah, which we heard in the first lesson, she called out the enemy generals for judgment. As we were instructed in the gospel reading, which we just heard, if we heed Jesus' word in scripture and build our houses on stone, we do build our houses on stone and we act on them, even in just a letter. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace, and we hope to greet you in person very soon.